Hello, Benchmark Moms. This is Erin Tarr, the CEO and founder of Be The Benchmark, where I help your girls choose their thoughts, create their life, so they can go out and change the world. And we are back again with our second episode in this series where we're talking about Lisa Damore's book, Untangled. And the subtitle of the book is Guiding Teenage Girls Through the Seven Transitions into Adulthood. So yesterday I did an intro video, kind of an overview of the book, and today we're going to dive right into chapter one. So stay tuned. All right, everybody, we are back again today talking about Untangled with Lisa Demore. And the chapter we're discussing is the very first strand that girls are going through as they go into adulthood, from childhood to adulthood. And it is aptly named Parting with Childhood. And this is by far the longest chapter of the seven strands. And so there's a lot to this. So I actually might split this up into two separate episodes. But there's a lot that she talks about in this chapter. And I want to be clear as I'm going through this book with you, this is in no way meant to be a replacement for reading the book yourself. This is to help you kind of understand the seven strands a little bit better and maybe kind of see, oh, here's some spots where my daughter and I might be having some difficulties or where I see some things coming down the road. So that's an area that I might want to spend some more time on. That's an area I might want to read a little bit more about. That's maybe an area I want to ask Erin about. So in no way is this meant to be a replacement. However, I think that the information that she gives is so valuable. And to me, even as someone who has worked with teen and tween girls for over 20 years in my career in education, and even even with that, there were a lot of eye-opening things that I was like, oh, that makes sense. And so I just want to help you open your eyes to those things as well as we kind of go through this whole parenting and mentoring our daughters together. So one of the things she talks about in this parting with childhood area is that many teens are seen as basically boarders in their family house. And I think that's something that Anna Freud actually said uh, back at the turn of the century. She was basically talking about how this is how teens appear. Like they all of a sudden kind of start to pull away from their family. They appear a little bit more sullen. They're not as engaged with people. And this is typical. And a lot of parents of teens might even tell you that, that that is typical, but that probably doesn't make it feel any better. Uh, one thing that Lisa Demore says is that you can take a little bit of comfort in knowing that your daughter probably doesn't even know why she's pulling away. There's something that's happening in her and in her community and with her body and all of these things are kind of producing this perfect storm that kind of makes her start to pull away. And so one of the things that Lisa Demore suggests that is happening is that as they get into this 11, 12, 13 year old phase, they want more privacy. And she basically says, unless there's really some huge warning signs, you should probably give it to them because most kids are doing the exact same things 
in private that they normally would have done with their doors wide open. So when they go in their room and they close their door, and a lot of parents don't really like that. They're like, we're a very open family. We share everything. And the truth of the matter is your daughter's probably not up to anything nefarious, but she just feels a need to have a little more privacy. And that as parents, that can be very difficult for us. And so she kind of gives some tools to balance that and to make sure that everything is still happening in a healthy way. And so one of the things she talks about that I'm so glad that I read this ahead of time is setting in place kind of family weekly traditions that bring your entire family together that are just kind of like this is what our family does together. And so you don't want to overload your teen with that, but especially as they start to get busy, making sure that there are certain times that everyone in your family is like, we're going to come together and we're going to do these things together. So I know one family that I know, their daughter's now grown, but every Friday night was order a pizza and watch a movie. And she, the daughter got to pick the movie because they wanted her to want to be there and she could have friends come over or whatever. But it was it was understood that this was family time and sometimes friends came along, but uh, that was kind of their tradition. And I know for our family, like it's pretty traditional that we would eat lunch together after church. Like there's an expectation we go to church together and we eat lunch after church. Um... My husband and I have been talking about different things to do, but having those kind of as rock solid non-negotiables or at least something. So like it used to be this, but now schedules have changed and it needs to be this. Like finding those things where your family can definitely have kind of that solid uh, time where you know you're going to come together. Also, as girls get older, she talks about they're really open to one-on-one activities with parents. You'd be surprised how the same girl that like doesn't want to sit and eat dinner with you, make her anyway, but doesn't want, but will be open to, hey, I need to run to the mall to grab, you know, some new eyeliner or something. Do you want to come with me? And they're open to spending that time together and things like that. Uh, also she talks about how car time is your greatest asset. And that doesn't mean like grilling them in the car, but that means having time together where you can hear what music she wants to listen to and where you can hear maybe what she talks with her friends about if you happen to be chauffeuring her friends about, you know, and things like that. So she does talk about in another section as far as uh, having technology and phones that one of the expectations that she talks about is making sure that in social situations that you are making sure to tell your kids that these are situations where we don't use our phone. Short car rides, so from school to home. We're not using our phone. Uh, dinner time, uh, when you're talking to your grandparents. You know, these are times that it is, we want to make sure that we continue to be social individuals and we're not tied to our phones. And so uh, that kind of plays along with that car thing. Because I think a lot of parents would be like, well, my kids are on their phone in the car and they don't talk to me. So... But even sometimes silence, just like a, a nice silence, is okay and a good bonding experience. And it's something. Uh, another thing she talks about is that a lot of times these tweens and teen girls are allergic to questions, it seems. Like, it seems like you're always asking them the wrong question at the wrong time. And it's just a real pain in their butt and they don't want to answer you. And the thing she really emphasizes with that is make sure that you're asking genuine, legitimate questions. Not just questions to try and probe them and to make a connection, but really questions that make sense. So instead of just saying, how was your day? And they're like, fine. Really thinking about like, 
hey, I know that math has been a little tricky recently. How did it go today? Did you have a test or anything? Or I know that uh, your lunchtime is pretty short. Are you having time to connect with other people during lunch? Like asking like specific questions that let them know that you're paying attention and that you want what's best for them, I guess. And so she says that most teens are more open to those types of questions and they feel like their parents aren't asking those types of questions. They're just asking questions to be annoying, which is obviously not why you're asking the question, but that's how teens feel about it. So that's something to think about. Um, and But in respect to that, she talks about how maybe you're asking all the right questions and your teen or tween is still being rude and still not responding respectfully and that's where it comes down to boundaries and just making clear to them you know you don't have to write me a love letter you don't have to be my best friend but I do expect you to answer my questions with some respect I do expect you to treat other members of this household kindly I do expect you to use the communication skills that I know we've trained you on um and just that type of thing, like making sure that it's clear that we do have boundaries as a family and we're not going to treat each other poorly, even when we feel like life is overwhelming or it's not fair. So what are your expectations of civility and making sure that you are civilly <laughs> expressing your expectations of civility? And another thing that she kind of mentions is, you know, if you continue to treat me this way, like so if your daughter treats you poorly, which some do, uh, if you continue to treat me poorly, I'm confused as to why you think that I'm going to go out of my way to give you a ride to the mall or why your dad and I would let you have more freedom or more this or more that. So it's at the end of the day, you have to make a choice, daughter, as to how you're going to treat us. But then we get to make choices as well. And quite honestly, we're just kind of trying to help you understand that other people might not want to do things for people that are mean to them. And this is kind of how our life works. And so let's think about how we're treating one another uh, in that sense. So if your daughter does happen to be surprisingly mean, which she says some daughters are, or they have their moments anyway, they know where your insecurities are. They've lived with you for however many years. They know what's going to push your buttons. They know what's going to make you mad. And if they say something surprisingly mean, the best thing to do, although it hurts, is to really try and like mm, take that in, tell them quite clearly like that is not okay, that was very hurtful, and I'm sorry that you feel that way. You know, really trying to not escalate the issue with them and rise to their level, but really trying to make sure that they understand why it's not acceptable, whether it was because it hurt your feelings or what, whether it was because it was just an unfair statement. Um, and that can be really hard, especially when they're surprisingly mean. But I've talked to a lot of parents who say, wow, other girls do that to their moms. And I'm like, yep, it happens. It happens to some of the best of us. So there is one more thing that I'm going to share with you in this episode. I told you this parting with childhood was a long episode, was a long chapter. And so we talked about privacy. We talked about them being allergic to questions. We talked about setting those boundaries and those how we need them to be civil, and how sometimes they can be surprisingly mean. Um, and the last thing that I want to talk about is one of the most powerful things I think that she gives even in the entire book, and that is this swimming pool metaphor. 
And so I'm going to try to explain this the best that I can. But basically, your daughter's life is a swimming pool, okay? And you are the sides of the swimming pool. You are the sturdy sides that are always there. And when she's little, she's always kind of hanging out by the side, right? She's kind of hanging out with what you want to do. And she's making sure that she's always a safe distance from you. And the water is the rest of her life. And so as she gets older, she goes a little bit further out in the water and a little bit further out in the water. And that's kind of the world and where she's headed. And what happens as girls are parting with childhood is that they're going to go way out in the deep end sometimes. And they're not going to want to have anything to do with the side of the pool because they are making their way and they're figuring out what it means to not be a kiddo anymore. And then something happens that's scary out in the water. And all of a sudden they come rushing back to the side of the swimming pool and that's you and they need you and they want you and you comfort them or you help them or you encourage them. And all of a sudden you as an adult, a lot of times when this happens, when they come to the side of the pool, you're thinking, oh, it's back to the way it used to be when they used to confide in me and they used to cherish my advice and, and everything's perfect again. But before you know it, these kiddos are pushing off the side again. And sometimes when they push off the side and go back out into the water, they hurt us. So, and they push us away even harder. And it's harder to take because we thought we had something back. And so she tells parents, this is very natural and this is very normal. And I love that swimming pool metaphor uh, because I think it really does contextualize for people what that feels like. And so she gives three pieces of advice with the swimming pool metaphor. Number one, anticipate the push off. So when they come running back to you, which feels amazing as a parent, anticipate that, you know what, they're going to push off and go back out on their own again. It's going to happen and I need to be a little ready for it. Number two, stand strong. Continue to be there for them because sometimes when they push off and when they hurt us or when we feel like they haven't adequately thanked us for the things that we've done for them or they haven't treated us as fairly as we want them to, it would be easy to kind of spiral back down into kind of where they're at and be like, well, if, if you're going to be mean to me, then I'm not going to be here next time you need me or something like that. And I know in some ways that seems really petty and maybe you would never do that, but our natural human instincts are for protection of ourselves. And so there are some times where we want to protect ourselves from the hurt and the pain and the loss. And so recognizing that it's going to happen and but we need to remain strong for them because they will be back again because things are going to happen out in the scary world and they'll come back to the side again and then last but not least just rally your support which is exactly why we are here why benchmark mod squad exists um, a lot of what i do is to support you as moms and know that there are other moms going through the same thing and we can empathize with one another and we can educate one another and we can encourage one another because we are raising girls that we want them to part with childhood. We want them to grow to be successful adults. We don't want them to always be dependent on us and reliant on us for every little thing, but the process of getting there can be tricky. So there is still more of chapter one, parting with childhood, but I'm going to end this episode here and we will come back to a few more uh, parts of Party with Child. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me. I'm excited to hear what you have to say, and I hope that this is helpful information that is giving you food for thought in regards to your relationship with your daughter. Thanks so much. 
Stay tuned for part two of chapter one of our series, Untangled, by Lisa Damore, guiding teenage girls through the seven transitions into adulthood. We are still going to be discussing chapter one, parting with childhood, in our next episode. Feel free to contact me with any questions. Until that time, go out there and choose your thoughts, create your life, and change the world. Your daughters are watching. <laughs>